Hey guys, it's Jennifer from the Shooter's Mindset, and we are live with episode 423. We have our co-hosts tonight. We have Greg here. How's it going? Good. How about y'all? Going well. This is like the first show in like a month I've been able to call you Greg and not Canon because we've had so many Gregs on lately. It gets confusing. <laughs> Canon instead of Greg. Uh, and we have Corey with us. How's it going, Corey? Did you shoot 48 matches this weekend? I shot one match, but I practiced three times. I had a lot of bullets. Okay. Uh, I'm, you're not slacking too bad then. It is the off season. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's an off season? Hashtag no off season. I know. Uh... Hashtag the matches. Are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right. And our guests of the hour and the people that everyone really wants to hear from tonight, we have Jacob Hepner and Janae DeCosson with us. How's it going, guys? Good, thanks. I was going to let her go first. Good. Thanks yeah. for having us. <laughs> He's just sitting there quietly waiting for her. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get the show started by asking um, both of y'all. And with all of these questions that we have, we're going to ask and then like you can both answer it. Um, but to start with, we'll do ladies first with Janae. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into tactical games and shooting and all of that. Um, okay. Uh, my name is Janae Carson. I am an athlete and a coach right now in this season of my life. So I coach CrossFit full-time and train as an athlete for tactical games. So um, those two things are very synonymous for me because I train CrossFit to help me prepare for tactical games. Um, kind of in a unique season in my life right now where that gets to be my main focus. Um, just, you know, training and shooting <laughs> and serving at my CrossFit gym here. So. I got into tactical games like mid last year. I was living in Tennessee and I had some friends that are military LEO that had found the sport prior to me and knowing who I am thought that I would really enjoy it. They taught me a little bit of the basics and helped me get up, get set up to do my first one. And I just fell in love with it and I've run with it pretty hard since then. So fun how about you jacob what was the question again pose it again i'm sorry <laughs> so tell us a little about yourself and how you got into tactical games and you know sure um uh, yeah so obviously um i come from crossfit uh same as janae uh developed a brand there competed in that for nine years i think um competed at the highest level of crossfit for about five years i think and then uh, kind of in 2020, weird year for a lot of reasons for a lot of people, um, decided, hey, I think I was, yeah, I don't know what happened out here. I decided, <laughs> you know what, there's there's got to be a lot. When you compete at that high level of CrossFit, you're putting like sick. I mean, your life revolves around it. You're not traveling. Yep. You're not going on vacation. You know, you're not going to Hawaii. Um, and so my life was devoted to that. And I said, okay, you know what, there's got to be a better way to use my time and try different things. So at that point, I decided to try a different sport. I'd heard about the sport. For a while, um, some people kept mentioning to me like, hey, you know, you shoot guns, which well, I'm sure we'll get into it. I, I owned a gun and shot it. Does not mean you know how to competitively shoot. Uh, they said, hey, you own guns. You can shoot like you should try the sport out. And so 
uh, I believe my first one was April of 2021 in Utah. And they put me in the lane next to Jared Halbert, the current reigning mm-hmm. champion, just to womp on me for the whole week. So, yeah, it was, it was a good introduction to the sport right from the get-go. I was always wondering how the smack talk started between you two. And I guess it was the very first match. No, actually, <laughs> I guess why Jared likes me. <laughs> I don't know if Jared likes me at all, actually, to be honest, but um, is because I started talking trash before I even showed up. So I oh. think that Utah. Okay. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I said it. I set the bar early. So very smart. I uh, yeah. I, I started talking. I think I signed up with like three, four months out. Trained for it completely wrong. Like not even remotely good training for it. Um, but I talked so much trash leading into the event that I think they sold out the elite men's category because so many guys want to show up and completely kick me in the dirt. (laughs) (laughs) Should have got real taste in signing up, but I didn't think about that. So um, yeah, I talked trash before I even showed up and then we just kind of continued from there. So So you're like the guy on Facebook that talks about how he can hit a 10 inch plate at three miles with iron sights. And then everybody is like, uh, yeah, come to my range and prove it. And then they disappear. But you didn't disappear. You showed up. Yeah. So, but the the funny thing is, like, before we record this call, you obviously heard how bad I am at long range. So that would be a bad example of how I would talk trash. Like, I wouldn't say that because I can't hit that 10-inch play from 100 yards. So I would focus on something a little bit easier to talk trash on. So I heard you got beat by a girl. (laughs) I got beat by a lot of girls. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, Jen, coming from BRS, it's not uncommon to get beat by teenage girls every weekend. <laughs> Very true. We have a lot of teenage girls that can uh, put grown men to shame. Just put one here. <laughs> so what has been y'all's highest finish in attack games? The reason uh-huh. we're here. Like, yeah, <laughs> prior to nationals. <laughs> so this year, this nationals was my highest finish, I guess. Cause, but prior to this, I had only won one regional event, Utah, I think. Texas, I did Texas and took second this year. West Virginia was a team event, so that was kind of unique. I think we took third, second. Who was your teammate second for that? Uh, Jake Mizell. Okay, that's right. Yeah, so I think was a, second day. How was it? How was it competing on a team with your significant other? Like, let's talk about that. Was that fun? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was actually fun. I think we did really well with it. Um, are you paid? Are you he, paid to say that, or do you feel uncomfortable no. telling the truth? Advice <laughs> <laughs> if you need help. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm being honest. I definitely think that that can be very difficult to do. But we had a lot of fun with it, and we had trained a lot prior going in um, together to kind of work out those kinks and learn how we would work well together. Um, but we had a great time, and his fitness level and his capabilities, being that he hadn't competed for three years prior, just absolutely blew my mind. So I didn't feel like I was dragging him along at any point, and um, I was happy to have him beside me in that. He did awesome, so. I'll give him some creds where creds are due. <laughs> that was fun. But other than that, um, I think that's all the events that I did this year. I can't remember. But this was certainly my highest finish so far. 
Jacob, I think, has many trophies to account for. Yeah. Some of them are still in Nick's garage at this point, Nick Thayer's garage. But um, uh, yeah, <laughs> see, I the first one I went to, I took fourth um, in Utah, the one that Jared destroyed me at. And then at Nationals that year, I took second behind Jared. Um, and, and then in 2022, I took first and then 2023, I took first again. Um, and I, this year I did how many regional did I do three or four regionals. I think I, I won them all, um, leading into the nationals. So <clears throat> nice. So y'all are two and two, if I remember the smack talking correctly, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did show Jared though. I said, you know, there's always gonna be a tie break, right? You always got to have a tie break. And in this the circumstance, you. Uh, no, no, good. Thank you for bringing that up. No, the tie break should be age. So he wins. He's he's ahead because of age because he's he's more capable at an older age than I am is what oh. I told him. Oh. Wow. Almost offensive. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, we're 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 currently we're currently two and two. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys both did CrossFit. Um, really high level athletes. Did you do anything growing up before CrossFit, like sports, football? Um, anything like that? Um, yeah, I played college ball. Yeah, I played college football. Um, at a smaller school here in, uh, well, here <laughs> in Missouri. Um, okay. and, um, I was, um, the math tutor for the team and was on <laughs> special teams and never started. I was dog poo-poo. <laughs> Like, um, but you know what? Those starters, if they ever needed help, like figuring out like Cortesian coordinate system, man, I was I was there to help them out. They stayed on that team, so I was yeah. So just college football before, but I was terrible at it. So okay. What about you, Janae? Um, I played college hockey. I'm from Michigan originally, really? so yeah. So ice hockey is very common up there. I feel like when I've moved more and more south throughout the years. When I say I play hockey, I get more surprised from that. Um, but it's super normal where I come from. So I played at Michigan State. Um, growing up, I did play like every other sport. So hockey was just okay. always my main thing and what I ended up doing in college before I found CrossFit. And then I found CrossFit right as I was finishing out um, college. And that really stole my heart and really was an outlet for my competitive nature coming out of college sports. Okay. So two quick things for those keeping uh, score at home, you obviously are winning uh, on that point, Michigan state versus small school in Missouri, but um, <laughs> do you guys think that part of your success later in life came from sports? Yeah. I definitely think that playing sports growing up was a big advantage. I think it makes you an athlete in a physical sense in a very well-rounded way. Um, you can more easily adapt to different things that are thrown your way. And for example, in tactical games now, we have an obstacle course. We have heavy things that we lift. We had rough rope climbs. I'm not saying that being a hockey player helped me do any of those one things, but being an athlete in many different sports, I think, keeps you athletic and well-rounded to kind of adapt well to anything. And then also from a mentality standpoint, the character building that comes from being a part of a team and doing challenging things like that growing up um, is kind of unmatched. I think oftentimes if you play higher level sports, you get put in those really pressureful situations um, right. and you get the opportunity to react and respond in that and learn 
how to then control yourself better and like reach your potential still despite that adversity and pressure being on you. Um, and I think that Jacob could probably attest we still use that today in tactical games um, and whatever we're chasing now as an athlete. So I think it was yeah. very helpful. Yeah, and I have a really good segue. Jared um, sent me this question earlier, um, specifically for, for Jacob, um, kind of overcoming adversity on that obstacle course. How did you do that, that three rung where you kind of had to launch yourself? Because I just kind of stepped and grabbed and I was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of us had to, some of us is called committing, committing to the jump. We had to, we had oh, to have I was faith. Not committing. <laughs> <laughs> we had to commit really hard on it. Um, they put me in the. I went with Aaron Clark, who got second behind me. Okay. And right now, Jared's texting me photos of me next to Aaron uh, because he's a monster, <laughs> like six. He's like six foot three next to me, right? He's, and so, like, I knew I had to get to the last obstacle first because he's so big. He would take up the whole weave up. Because yeah. I, you know, I take a little, <laughs> little, a little portion of, you know, a little sliver, and and, and Aaron would have, Aaron and or Jared would have taken up the whole weave and wouldn't allow me to pass. So, <laughs> so you've got a couple of different businesses. Um, do you think that's because of the drive that you had for sports, or have you always just been kind of a driven type of person? Yeah, uh, was a devil makes idle hands. Um, Okay. I was the young kid as a, uh, trying to sell vegetables on the side of the road growing up. And I think okay. um, what happens when you go to, and this is nothing against our school system, but when you go to school, you tend to lose that entrepreneurial spirit. You go to yeah. high school, you sit in a desk, you learn about how to add up, how to, when to use an and or there, the right there, whatever. Then you go to college and you learn something a little more specific, but you kind of lose that entrepreneurial spirit. Um and luckily, I left that, got involved in CrossFit, was able to make kind of a career, a life off of that to a degree, and decided to use mm -hmm. that as an avenue to kind of open doors to open companies um, that have all been with the focus of helping other people out, whether it was in tech or nutrition or in um, the fitness-related aspects. And then my wife also has the same drive. So we, between us, we have um, a vast myriad of different companies that are all just all different, like, <laughs> like our kids, essentially. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really cool that you can go from any sport, like any one thing and be good at it um, as a kid. Right. And growing up, kind of changing how you have that mindset, going from like hockey to football to swimming, whatever it is, whatever you grew up with, having that mindset where you just you have something in front of you and you just kind of do it. And you didn't really know any different. And it's not unnatural for you to be good at all those things i think it's really cool to see kids that have done that turn into athletes because i think you end up with a better athlete at the end of the day like that because they're not so specialized yeah and, and janae kind of nailed it in the head of like you asked about like has the sports you've done in your past whether it be like elementary, high school, junior high, college, whatever, have they helped you attack this sport we're talking about now, right? It's just tactical. Yeah. And <clears throat> Janae talked about how she thinks it did, right? Teamwork. Now, you'll never see me go team tactical games. I hate team sports, so you'll never see me do that. <laughs> That's why I asked the question about her and Jake, right? If Janae asked me, I'm not going team. Don't ask me. So, but the thing is, like, I don't, like, I learned a lot of hard work from all the sports leading into CrossFit, but the beauty... <laughs> 
I'm going to make you guys drink the CrossFit, CrossFit Kool-Aid right now. But the beauty mm-hmm. of that sport Let's go. CrossFit Let's was, go. Was, was the idea that you were not going to be so specialized. You were going to be essentially like the best CrossFitter is mediocre at everything, like for a lot yeah. of better terms, right? Not we're a master of none. Um, but if you take us and throw us in a marathon, we're not going to get last. You put those in a triathlon, we're not going to get last, but we're not going to win it. And so we had to always learn new things on the fly. And so when you put us in the tactical games, now, number one, you could make the argument that a lot of the fitness representations in the tactical games are are similar to CrossFit. A lot of people will call it CrossFit. And I think Mm -hmm. it's quite funny because it's like, man, if this was actually CrossFit, I would have won by a much larger gap. You don't understand what CrossFit is. Yeah, it's true though. Yeah, Yeah. it's different. It's functional fitness that we're doing in a dirt field is essentially what we're doing. And, um, but then you add in the shooting aspect and that's a whole different ball game of athleticism, learning how to manipulate things, how to learn things on the fly. And I think that's where you truly will find upper tier athletes and or CrossFitters rolling and do very well because we're used to being like, well, I've got to learn this. And I don't know any other way of doing it other than just putting repetitions in over and over. And so I think that's why you've seen athletes like myself or Janae or other in this sport have done well and learned very quickly because of our background in the sport of fitness. So. Yeah. And you, you did hit on the next question of like, if you were to take CrossFit in the tactical games at a very basic level, I agree. They look similar to someone that's never done either before, but like you said, when you add shooting, shooting, I would say is almost 90% mental. So if you were to just look at the exercises without the shooting and then add in the shooting, how would you say that they're similar like CrossFit and TAC games? And then where do you think they're really separate? Let's go first, Janae. Mm. Okay. Um, I think there's a lot more, like you said, shooting has a big mental aspect to it. Um, It takes a lot of skill. When I think about training specifically as an example for CrossFit, very physical. Um, there's a limit to how much physicality your body can handle in a day. Right. Um, so, but when you train for something like tactical games, there's a much larger uh, cap before you reach your limit mentally as well. So I can go train at the gym for several hours and then I can also come home and dry fire. And then once my focus diminishes in dry fire, I can be watching shooting videos to learn about how to shoot better or um, learning my reticle for long range. There's so many different things that your, your training capacity increases. Um, so the training looks different than it does for just CrossFit in itself. As far as competing, um, with the shooting aspect being in there, you just can't go full ham on fitness like you do in CrossFit. Like right. you kind of can die from points <laughs> in CrossFit, you know, like put the pedal down and just die um for points right. and tactical, tactical games there's so much more finesse in that um you have to be cognizant of how you're going to feel at the firing line if you go at a certain pace are you you know if i go at 98 percent, can i still shoot well and um there's so much that goes into knowing that um, but it definitely changes the game a lot you have to be a lot smarter with um be a, a smarter athlete and also just attack the workouts a lot differently. So one of the stages was a shooting stage where you had rifle and pistol, and then you had burpees and you had an accumulation of burpees for points, right? 
do you do the math in your mind of the time it takes to get a hit for the rifle or pistol versus how fast you can do the burpee? And it, is that kind of the level that you're breaking these things down at? Absolutely. Um, not using that one as an example, but using this other one that I have in mind, Brian uh, mm -hmm. Shipper, uh, it was a different stage, but at the end of the stage, if you finish and there's still time mm -hmm. left, you got to do max burpee plus bag over a box. So okay. the bag tosses over and then you go yep. over, you know, rinse, repeat. So counting up the total number of rounds you're going to shoot in the workout. Um, and then, you know, it, say I have three minutes, how many burpees can I get in that time? And what fraction right. of that number is the sh that of the shooting? Um, so yeah, I definitely do that math. Jacob does that too. I know he does. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and if it's not significant enough to get the burpees at the end, then I'm staying at the line a little bit longer and making sure I get my shot. Okay, cool. That makes yeah, that so, makes me feel good because that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. So that that stage in particular was a was a point based stage, right? So for the viewers watching, yeah. right, um, for every hit that I am successful on target, I will receive a point. Um, and then for any, when I got back from the shooting and I'm doing burpees over the bag, like you had mentioned, Corey, I'm going to get a point for all those things. So right. my goal in that workout was as soon as they laid it out, I realized when we got there and saw how it was laid out. I realized this is a sprint that the targets, everything we do from the tactical games, mm -hmm. <clears throat> I can lay out a stage for you and say, Hey, we're going to do this, Corey. We're going to do this like fitness stuff and some shooting. It doesn't matter what I put in the workout, all that matters that everything is dictated in the whole workout by looking down range. What does my target look like? Right. If I have a target that's super generous, then I like the, like the workout that we were talking about. If my target is generous, then I'm going to go hammer down sprint this thing because I can recover in a minute. And I guarantee the guys my right and left probably can't. Um, but if I look down range and I see a target that is not so generous, right? It's like, that's going to yeah. take a little bit of time. Then that's where you're going to be like, okay, well, I, I got to tone back at 80, 85% and then take my shots on target. You guys last week had um, Garmin on the call, right? And so yeah. this, what you're going to see in this sport is this sport's going to become smarter really quick um, and how you approach things. I think in years past, you might've seen people be like, I don't know why I did it. I'm just doing this. And you've seen training, <laughs> right? You know, because you don't know what you don't know. But now you've seen training progress for it. And now I think you're going to see a little bit of addition there where now you're going to take a heart rate variability into it, right? Because mm -hmm. I can tell you how accurate I can be depending upon my target size by what heart rate I'm approaching. So I know if I've got a very generous target, cool. I'll go 160 beats a minute. That's fine. If I know yeah, I've got a nice. target that's a little bit more difficult to shoot, um, mm -hmm. good example. Uh, well, your viewers wouldn't know, but you would know. Um, call it like a three inch triangle at 50 versus a six for rifle. Yeah. Then I know, okay. So if I'm going to shoot a, a non-generous target, good example, I'm shooting a non-generous target, three inch circle at 50 yards. Then I know I got to stay yeah. around 120 beats a minute, but if that's a massive square, bro, send it. Cause I don't care yeah. anymore. Cause it's not that hard of a target. So I think you're going to see the training change for that. And that's how I approach training um, in terms of heart rate. Cause I have, to, I have to know how far can I go in order to get my hits on target. Now I'm not expecting to get hundred percent. I'm not going to waste my time with hundred percent. That's stupid. Instead, yeah. I'm going to say, okay, if I want to shoot 85 to 90%. What do I need to do from the fitness perspective to obtain that goal? I like it. I, I was wondering about a lot of that because it was my second event. Um, 
And it seemed intuitively like in USPSA, we know how much time it's going to take to complete the stage, right? I know what, how many points I'm going to get. I know roughly what the hit factor points over time is going to win the stage. So I was wondering if you did that same thing and I'm, I'm glad to hear you do because I think, so what, if you say the sport is evolving, right? The, the fitness is evolving, but do you think the shooting evolves too, to the point that everything has to get harder because everyone catches up to that too? I think so. Like for instance, we're going to shoot red dots on pistols for elite, right? I have not had the option to shoot a red dot in years past. I know that the targets will of course get sportier. I'm using right. Nick's terminology for that for yeah. pistol shooting. I know in, in the past years we shot irons and you guys might've shot red dot, but we're both shooting the same targets. Yep. Now you're welcome, everybody. We're all going to get sportier targets because we're going to shoot red dot. <laughs> so like, for instance, a, a good example that Nick did this year to up the shooting, um, not all of us got to do this. Janae took freaking manip took a huge amount of points on this and like crushed it because of it. We had a spinner in our sport, right? Yeah. And so in years past, we I, I ain't never seen a spinner. I had to call Dylan Easley and get him to go give me a spinner to like practice on, but I, I only use pistol, right? We had to use rifle. So Janae made up, gosh, would you get like full, you 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 hundred percent the two gun stage? And what was second place points wise to you? I honestly I can't tell you specifically because jake was watching the leaderboard for me but i think it was somewhere around 50 percent. i said she feels bad she doesn't want to say 50 percent. she feels bad i think, yeah. I but, think like, it was a 50 percent. <laughs> but that's how you up the shooting yeah, yeah. But that's how you up the shooting right is you say okay we we can up the upping the fitness is very easy right either add more weight add more repetitions right. or add more complex you're not going to add more more complex movements because it needs to be a subjective movement that doesn't require a judge per se. But the shooting is very easy. A spinner is binary. You either flipped it or you didn't. And that makes it complicated. Yep. Now, Nick used the example of like, last year we did a 300 pound sandbag that upped the fitness. This year we're going to do a spinner. That's very similar. I'd make the argument that's not the same because it takes years to learn how to do a 300 pound sandbag. And it can only take a couple of weeks to learn how to use a spinner. But I digress. I think it's going in yeah. the right direction of making this the shooting more complicated. Um, and also, you want to up everybody's skill. You want to make sure no one wants to come into a, a sport and be complacent. You want to be like, okay, cool. No. What's the next thing I got to learn? Yeah, it's got to get more exciting every time. I mean, it has to. I think any shooting sport does. So what do you think made the TAC games, tactical games, so successful so quickly? They've really grown. Like we had um them on what a year year and a half ago yeah jared came on early january when they announced under armor and then yeah. jared and nick came on april when they had the sale so you know and it was just it was kind of starting to really take off at that point and really grow so what do y'all think has made it do you think it was jared and nick and the leadership or just the community of it what do you think is making it grow so fast what you um, Dang, this like hit me with a tough one, Jacob. <laughs> um, I mean, I can kick it off if you want right. me to. <laughs> I would just say that I think Jared is a great man and a great leader and anything that he has his hands in and that he cares to grow is going to grow. And I think that um, a strong leader can do amazing things with anything. Um, I think him, Jake, Nick, and Roe really built a solid foundation in the sport. Um, and honestly, I've been around 
for a short time. So I can't speak to the length of tactical games being like growing over the years that it's been here because I'm not an, an OG. I've only been here for a little <laughs> over a year. So um, that's just my perspective from the past year and a half. So all you, Jacob. Yeah, so you, yeah, he's a great leader, great business owner, terrible shooter though, Jared, you know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I'll speak to like the gap in the industry, right? So the beauty of the sport, and, and we can go, we could spend 10 minutes talking about the cool community, right? That's that's a given. Like yeah. if you've spent time at the sport, what it reminds me of, because you could consider me an OG from CrossFit. So what it reminds me of is showing up at a CrossFit competition and, and the community is like all about helping out. Like if I don't know how to do a certain movement, someone's going to help me figure out that movement. And they're probably going to be competing next to me. So like the first event I showed up to in Utah when I got my teeth kicked in after talking trash that I couldn't hold up the other end of it was I showed up and I didn't, I didn't even know how to zero a rifle. Rifle's not zeroed. I don't even know I could spell zero, but I don't even know how to even start that process. And so one of the guys there helped me out. And he was a guy that was competing two lanes down from me. Now he beat, beat me. If you didn't know what I made fun of him, but like, it's that community that really speaks to the sport. But despite that fact of community, right, you should really look into the gap that's missing in industry and how well it's just fitting into it. Because you have a huge, one of the fastest growing fitness sports, right? CrossFit, easy, hands down, right? No qualm yeah. there, no question about it. And so it's taking that perspective. And I know Nick doesn't like to be compared to it, but it's taking that growth perspective, that concept of the sport and now saying, hey, now I'm just, we're going to do kind of something similar to it in a dirt field, and we're going to add some firearms to it in a safe perspective. And so now you're also pulling from two different large groups of people. You're pulling from, and the two people you have on this call that you're interviewing are two people that I never, ever would have competed in shooting sports if it wasn't for the sport. Now I'll go do USPSA. I'm not going to do PRS, but I'll go do USPSA all day long. I'm sorry, Corey. I'll go do it all day. <laughs> you smokes. I'll go do it all day long now because I feel comfortable because I was allowed to like, it was like a gateway drug of having me can come into the shooting industry because there was fitness already involved in it. So now yeah. you're pulling from two different aspects. You're pulling people who are shooters who may not have a great understanding of fitness, maybe not have to spend a lot of time in a gym and then pulling them into the sport, but then also pulling people like myself and Janae into the shooting industry because we were in a completely different sport. So I think that's what they're doing is they've, they found a, a chink in the armor per se. Um, you know, we could speak all day long about great leadership, great community. And those are all absolutely drivers and success, but also look at the fact of like, you've got something that's fitting a hole that exists. Yeah. Um, it definitely fills a gap and it definitely pulls from those two things. It, it pulls shooters and it pulls crossfitters and Nick, and his team are doing a lot of cool stuff with getting CrossFitters into it. But yep. the one thing from the shooting sports, shooting for as long as I have, I've shot two matches and I've never been to a shooting sport. In, and shooting sports in general have this where, like you were saying, everyone would show you exactly what you needed and everyone wanted you to succeed and they wanted you to do well. Like that exists in every shooting sport, but not nearly to the extent like I came and I showed up and I was like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Will someone just show me what I'm doing? And that everyone was more than happy to do. Like burpees, show me how to do that. Show me how to carry the farmer stuff. 
Um, who's the gal out of North Carolina that uh, she just retired a SWAT or just uh, finished her SWAT thing? Uh, Megan I think Kennedy. she's Megan. Yeah, Megan. I had no idea what I was doing on the stage. And she's like, all right, I'm going to teach you like you're five years old. I was like, <laughs> but, you are five years old, Corey. Yeah. Um, but that got me coming back because it was so nice to just be chill and like, okay, I'll just go do the thing. It was easy. Well, not easy, but I didn't have to think. <laughs> so Corey, you're kind of a go-getter and like, I'm, you're kind of like no. me. No, well, no, no. As far as if you want to try something though, I think you're willing to jump in. Like I'm the same way. I'm the one that showed up to a PRS match with a 308 gas gun and dope written on an index card. And Hell I yeah. don't mind. Like you're good. I don't mind not knowing what I'm doing and being like, um, you mean you actually dial this scope? Like, I don't <laughs> mind sounding because I had done three gun and you don't dial your gun in three gun because you do hold Jacob, it. ignore this dialing thing. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the funny thing is I learned how to dial. I crap you not a month ago, one month ago. Yeah. Good job. Like, hey. And then they showed me and I was like, oh, this is cheating. But like, I, yeah. don't mind, I don't mind going and like being like, I just want to learn something new and be a part of it. And so I want to do it. And I don't mind if I look like an idiot in the process because I'm old enough that I don't care. But for any new shooters that are coming in that maybe don't have that same mentality as Corey and I, and they're like, ooh, I don't know that I want to just show up and shoot. Yeah. How would you suggest them getting into tactical games? Yeah, so um, super simple. Um, very similar to what you would do from like a CrossFit perspective is if you show up and you're like, I don't feel comfortable joining a class, for instance, like they're going to have an on-ramp class. They're going to pull you in, Jen. They're going to say, hey, I'm going to teach you how to, you know, squat, hinge, press, pull, the whole nine yards. And now I'm going to get you, you know, figured out and then put you in class when you feel comfortable. We, they do the same thing for the tactical game. So if you showed up, if you're not the type of personality that says, I'm just going to show up and do my first one, totally get it. It's not everybody. Um, they have skirmishes. They have one day events that you can show up to. They're very laid back. You show up. The ROs are there to like help you out completely. If you go to a regular event, they're there to run the event. They're not going to give you advice on the stage. Whereas when you go to a skirmish, they're there to give you advice on the stage, help you out the whole nine yards. And so the skirmishes are really laid back. It's usually four stages in a day. Um, those are held locally around the around the nation. Um, so that's one good way of doing it. A, a lot of another way that they usually pitch um, that a lot of people do is you just show up and volunteer. So we have, we know, I know a lot of people that have shown up and decide, you know what, I don't feel comfortable competing day one. So I'm just going to show up at an event that might be local to me. I'm just going to help volunteer and help out. And you'll learn a lot by being there. And then from there, they might feel comfortable doing their second event. That's usually what most people do. Yeah. No, if you watch the, the elites, right, you watch the, the intermediates and you watch the guy that's his first match as an RO, you'll learn a hundred times as much about the stage and how to perform just yeah. versus you trying it. Um, yeah. Janae, are you going to the skirmish this weekend? I think there's one Sunday by us. There is. I, I believe I am out of Staccato. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't promise that I'm going to compete, but... She's already <laughs> back to competing, boys. Off-season's <laughs> over. Hey, well, if, you I mean, lose, I... if you lose this skirmish, your title is gone. gone. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I'm going to be there. So if you're afraid of you know losing to me, man. Oh, let's go. <laughs> no, contrary <laughs> to the hashtag, I do take an off season. So <laughs> smart. 
Also, on the note of what you guys are talking about, um, my as far as like how to get into sport, I do think there's a little bit of value in trial by fire with the preface that you are 100% confident that you can be safe and handle your weapons appropriately yeah. within competition. Um, and you understand the rules. You know, it really, I legitimately read the rule book when I, before I went to my first one. And I think that was super helpful. And then, um... <laughs> okay, she read it to game it. She read it to game it. That's a winner right there. Yeah. Continue champion. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh but like um if you know how to handle your your weapons well and there you can just go and see what it it is about um I remember my first one I just didn't even understand the game like I didn't even know what we were doing until I went and did it and then I was like oh okay like now I see what we're trying to work towards um but I think that I didn't have a ton of access to go to training day and stuff like that. I had friends that taught me how to be safe and I did a lot of research on my own and there was a lot of benefit in for me in just being brave enough to go out there and try it, even though I knew I was going to get absolutely slaughtered because it was my first competition. I was going against elite females and I was at Ohio nice. last year. <laughs> there was like all the best girls in the sport at Ohio. I didn't know that. But it was great for me. I got absolutely demolished by these girls and had so much respect for them. And just like Jacob said, like everyone's so eager to help you out, even if they're your direct competitor. So I remember Blair was my judge. And, oh, um, yeah. and I was just like blown away by watching her do her thing because all the elite girls were just, you know, confident and they were shooting so well and just looked like they knew what they were doing, right? And then she comes to judge me and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> send help. Like, and she knew I was a crossfitter too because I was trying to go fast on the fitness and she was like, hand release the burpees, you know, because in CrossFit you never hand release. And I was making a bunch of like newbie mistakes um, that honestly I wouldn't have grown as much as I did so quickly if I didn't just go and try it. Um, again, with a preference, practice being in our sport that you can be safe because that's the most important. Yeah. And, th and that's the same thing that I say for people looking to come to my match is just, you know, as long as you can safely handle a gun, I could teach everything else. Mm -hmm. But I don't have time for that during a match to, hey, get your finger off the trigger, stuff like that. Or don't point your gun at me. Yeah. Um, so we're about at the midpoint of the show. Remember, if you're watching us live on Facebook, ask any questions you may have in the comment section of the video. We'll ask it live on air. Other ways to catch us, you can always check back on the Shooter's Mindset Facebook page. The videos stay up there forever. So any of these other um, other episodes that we're talking about, you can check them out. Um, we usually upload to all the podcast apps the night after the show. And then finally, thing. Finally, everything eventually ends up on the Shooter's Mindset YouTube page, so that's a great place to go and look up past episodes. All right, I got some lives to sneak in, Greg. I'm sorry. Ooh, I go really want to get some, I really want to get fun. some of these from Jared. Um, so these are all from Jared. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't don't worry, they're they're curated. Um, how did getting instruction from shooters from different disciplines help you? And how did you decide what was useful and what didn't apply to the games? 
Jason? Yeah, um, it's a good question. When I decided to get in the sport, uh, I made the decision that I'm going to go find subject matter experts in different areas. Now, the beauty of the tactical games is we pull from a lot of different areas, right? We're not going to shoot a bolt gun, okay? But we pull from a lot of different genres. If you look at the, how the point spread Perfect. works for tactical games, yeah. If we if we look at the point, they, they didn't do sniper challenge, I guess, but they I think they, they cut that out at least for 2024. Mm -hmm. um, but if you look at the tactical games, how the point spread works, right? Yeah, I can go in there and probably focus on what you would call bullseye shooting for um, the tactical games and still be, get a good score. But we still have 200, 300 points available for people who are good at action shooting. So I'm going to have to go out and find subject matter experts to say, okay, you know, how do I move with a gun? How do I shoot with a gun? You know, like, uh, how do I come into a position? How do I leave a position? I'm not shooting small little targets. Now I'm shooting an A zone or maybe an AC yeah. zone. Um, and so... I definitely went off and learned from a lot of different subject matter experts. Um, went to attended a bunch of classes. Um, Langdon's a good friend of mine. Uh, JJ Ricaza does CrossFit, and so he and I had a, uh, the ability to hang out really? a couple times. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I make fun of him now because he doesn't do enough leg squatting. It is too many pull ups, but you know he never did. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's changed, right? Nothing's changed. Hmm. Um, that was actually the first time I had seen people institute shooting and fitness combined if you go on youtube i don't know what it's called but they did it was rich froning who at the time was the top of the sport for crossfit yep. um it's from where janae came from for crossfit and rich and jj i think did fran which is a named workout benchmark yep. workout of ours and at the end of fran they had to go like run 50 yards and shoot a plate rack with a pistol or something like that yeah. and froning murdered uh fran yeah. and jj did okay you know acceptable but then just murdered the plate so bad he caught up the rich at the end like it was so funny <laughs> but that was my first kind of like seeing like oh like you can shoot guns and work out at the same time this is so cool um but yeah i had you would go to an expert and there are definitely times i've been hung out with certain experts and realized that some of this information is really really good but it's not maybe applicable to my sport like hypothetically uh, maybe some things, um, if I went and, for instance, I was out in uh, Miami, not Miami, uh, Wyoming, completely different state. I was out in Wyoming working with a gentleman for a long range. We were doing bolt. We were shooting out to like okay. past the mile. Well, some of the things yep. that you have to know for shooting a bolt out past the mile isn't going to be applicable to some of the things we're going to be shooting for gas guns for tackle games. Now, yeah. could you maybe truncate that information down and still make it applicable? Sure. But like some of the things aren't really going to matter. And so you, you, I've had the blessing to learn from a lot of good people, but then you got to take the information and then kind of sift through it and figure out that applies and that doesn't apply. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, and Janae, I really wanted to ask you this question because I was talking to Jared, I think it was day two, and he was kind of bragging on you, I would say, about how you picked up the sport and shooting in particular, and you've been texting him and getting him to shoot more. So I'm really curious... <laughs> how you take shooting information and, and kind of what, you know, Jacob was saying, distill it down. Yeah. Um, so early on when I was first getting into tactical games, like I said, I didn't really go, didn't have much access to the training days and the really helpful tools that tactical games puts out. Uh, Money-wise, I just didn't, I couldn't afford it if I'm being honest. So I okay. learned a great deal 
of stuff up front just from online resources. I would watch an insane amount of YouTube videos <laughs> um, from like JJ Ricaza and Ben Stoger yep. and QX Arms has a ton of helpful training content on their website and on their YouTube. Mm -hmm. So um, I bought books like Adaptive Rifle and I don't know, just anything that I could find that okay. people, people in the sport said helped them. Um, specifically with two gun style stuff too. I didn't know how to move and shoot like Jacob was saying. Um, so a lot of that, I leaned on resources that were free to me and were easy to find. And then um, I learned a lot from Jake. He helped me um, a great deal with like pointing me in the right direction for resources. And then um, I met Jared along the way and I learned, I was very fortunate to learn a lot from him. So when it, you said like, how do you know if it's applicable to our sport or not? Luckily, yeah. I know if I'm listening to Jared about something that he's not going to tell me something that isn't applicable in my sport, you know, so it's pretty easy yeah. for me to decipher there. Um, there's been others that I've gotten a chance to work with. Like later on, I did PTG tune-ups with Kirk Homer. Um, okay. And learned, learned a lot from him there. So definitely have been fortunate to have experienced shooters in our sport that could help refine me and teach me um, the high level things that I can't get from just watching the stuff on YouTube and all of that. But I, I would say um, everything, all of the good things that I did at nationals this year, shooting wise, especially the two gun stage with the spinner and whatnot. Uh, a lot of that is just the work that I've done with Jared. So. Cool. Cool. So we talked a little bit about off season. <laughs> so kind of along those lines, let's talk a little bit about your recovery schedule and if it's changed over the years or not. Sleep schedules, stretching, yeah. massage, any of those things that you use for recovery. Yeah. So, solid question. Um, not as applicable to the previous sport it came from. Um, some people are going to hate me saying this, but the physical stress placed upon your body in this sport is minimal compared to yeah. the sport I came from. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a joke, but it's it's very minimal. Um, yeah. And it's hard to understand. Like the sport I came from was just a, you're you're there for a spectacle and it's going to be a body beat down in front of thousands of people. It's just going to oh, yeah. be like, you're going to wake up the next day and feel like complete trash. Um, this sport is not the same way. Not to say that you should put any less emphasis upon recovery. That's obviously important. If I can recover from 97% to 99%, let's get it done, right? But like in terms of all the recovery necessary, it's definitely been toned down, right? Whereas for the CrossFit games, work, I'm going to make sure I get easily nine to 10 hours worth of sleep when I'm competing <laughs> and when I'm in deep into training for that. And the same can be said about, hey, I'm going to have weekly, I had weekly appointments with a massage therapist where they came to my yeah. house or I went to them, right? And those things had to be, those things are still important. Don't get me wrong. We talked about earlier, Jen, like offline was stretching is important. It just, it isn't as important based upon the physicality of the sport. No one likes my answer. <laughs> I like it. I think it's it, it's spot on if you competed at an extremely high level and like playing judo compared to like doing jujitsu, the car impacts. A hundred falls a night, 
you had to have a better recovery system than you had for jujitsu. Um, but Janae, you can obviously recover a lot better than I can. You're a lot younger than I am. So what do you do for recovery? I don't know if that's true, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> Definitely younger than I am. <laughs> oh, I mean, maybe so, but I always joke that, like, I think I heard Rick say this once and I was like, that is so true. Um, like, maybe I'm younger, but I feel like I've got a lot of miles on me, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> eight the years, miles. it's the miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, recovery is just very simple for me. I eat a lot like as much as I can because I'm always trying to get stronger I'm very small for my my division like the other girls are a lot more strong and powerful than me so for me I'm fortunate enough that I just get to eat as much as I can pretty much but with that said I eat very clean so that when I show up to training every single day my body feels good I don't know I've noticed that like if I eat poorly I show up and my body aches more than it should um, little nuances that you can only see if you're very consistent in what you eat. So then you can see the difference when you make small changes, uh, but I eat a lot. And then I try to sleep at least eight, eight hours a night. And I'm pretty good about that. Um, and that is pretty much all I need during the season to stay chugging along and be fine. Over the weekend of nationals, I was doing ice baths in between ice baths after the run, uh, little extra recovery stuff to try okay. to mitigate the volume overall of the weekend. Um, coming from CrossFit, like I'm used to higher volume, but just competition intensity is different. And we always start out with a long run and nationals and it always smokes my legs. So then I try <laughs> to catch up all weekend from that. Um, I'll use like a complex and uh, massage gun in between events stuff like that but I, I would agree with Jacob that it's not as important as CrossFit but I think those little one percent can help you across the weekend yeah. like national you know yeah I definitely don't feel bad about having hunted elk in Colorado the week before and having the long gazelle legs because that run that was a joy for me <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a ruck? No, no, that was even better. Okay, I don't, I don't want to hear it, Corey. Okay, I don't want to hear it now. So screw off. The ruck is so bad. <laughs> but okay. I was in All snow right. in Colorado with a ruck. Here we go. Here's going to be the main point, the only point of the podcast that actually matters. And we're gonna, um, we're gonna pink slip Corey's spot on this podcast. So if Corey. <laughs> Fails this question or fails this answer, I will easily take his spot. Greg, you have my phone number. Feel free to call me. Corey, what was your? T- I'm not Corey. What was your time on the run without a ruck? Oh, it doesn't even matter, bro. I didn't nope, look at no, a no. single score all weekend. I have no idea. If you want, I'll pull it up. I will pull it up. So we'll get okay. back to that. Well, oh yeah, we'll Jen come back. To this. Yeah. While while Corey's <laughs> looking that up, uh, William has a question for Jacob. He wants to know what's your favorite type of stage. Do you prefer uh, technical, precise shots, maybe long range stages, or pure running gun <laughs> blasting up close fast? He likes getting beat by girls. Yeah, yeah, I like getting beat by everybody and their and their mother. Um, uh, what, I will not say one of it wasn't one of my most favorite stages, but it is a stage I have improved on, or things I have improved on over the course of the of the year. I'm not a huge fan of short events, right? Like. We do 100-point events that are very um, USPSA stage-esque, right? So we're talking like 
probably sub 20 seconds, um, going to be very fast. And those stages present being a hundred points. They make a huge point swing. It reminds me of like a punt team for football. Like your biggest field change can happen. Big mistakes can be made there and big swings in the game can be made. So I don't like long range. So I'm just going to nail that one in the head. Um, but I was able to have the fastest time overall with a, a pistol only. It was like a bastardization of T-Rex arm scrambler drill. Um, so yeah. that I've improved on that over the course of many, many years, <laughs> many, many years, two years, I should say, um, <laughs> of shooting where I'm able to feel more comfortable running and shooting with a gun. If you'd asked me like a year and a half ago to run my pistol, I probably would have looked like the biggest dork you've ever seen in your life. So a uh, quick update on the times. I was <laughs> three, two, four, four. You were a rapid uh, two two nine three, so you did beat me by three hundred whatevers they are. Um, so Greg, um, whatevers they are. Hey Greg, so if you 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 can just let me know how often we film these and when I need to show up with information prepped and. Uh... <laughs> I'll see you at USPSA Saturday. Hey. I'll hey. Be <laughs> oh god <laughs> okay um so some quickies how many calories do you guys eat in a day i used to track but i don't anymore um, okay so i don't know i know the macros that i was trying to hit when i occasionally i'll track again just to see where i'm at but I okay to what are the macros so. then macros were like 130 protein 300 plus carbs and then 65 fat and the plus was for day like there's days that i fluctuate and train more than i train on other days so on days that i was training more i would just eat more carbs until i was super full okay and and you always felt better with the carbs versus fat for the energy i do yeah um yeah just okay. that's how my body felt better I, I did try to fluctuate with a little bit higher fat um keeping my carbs still around 300 but right i don't know after years of kind of messing with it i found i liked more carbs kept me fuller more full at night slept through the night better felt more energetic in training i think especially when we train crossfit and even heavener's program is i mean it's still crossfit just more tactical game specific right yeah um, um nick there's gonna hate you now that you said that he's gonna oh, come after you <laughs> <laughs> it's true though <laughs> it's, true. it's true it's <laughs> true oh. but with the, the style of training we do i think carbs are very beneficial as fuel and necessary as fuel so. okay yeah, what about you uh guy that runs really well <laughs> <laughs> oh man um <laughs> i only i only tracked during i tracked on and off during competing cross i don't track now i mainly base it upon like this is the same answer Janae had. I'm not going to sit here and weigh my rice. I know when I was yep. years ago when I was competing, uh, it was probably 400 plus carbs, uh, probably 200 grams of protein. And I think it was like 90 for fat. It was something around that from a while back. Okay. Um, every now and again, I'll pull in a, a coach for nutrition, kind of like we don't weigh things, but it'll be like, hey, how do you feel? And we'll change some things up like, hey, if you're eating this amount for dinner, let's add in a little extra protein, see how you feel the next day over the course of a couple of days. Well, based on that, or, Hey, when you wake up in the morning, try it. It's very habit based instead of like okay. numbers based. I've always felt that numbers are just, it's not a sustainable practice. 
it's very so hard more, to keep up. Mm-hmm. So more like RPE training versus absolute number maximum every week, uh, that type of thing. Just equating. Yeah. So it, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be, yeah. Cause uh, you know, look, some people like, so one of the girls that I train for the CrossFit games, a uh, 17 year old gal, she loves macros and weighing her food. That's her, that's her style. I was never a huge fan of that. Um, and so she, that's how she likes to get coached is that perspective. That's not for everybody. Some people prefer to be like, Hey, Corey, you know, you're eating like one palm of chicken or one palm of protein every night. Let's, let's add another half to that, or let's eat some more greens or, Hey, how much water do you get? Let's add some more. It's very habit-based. It's a little bit easier to work with for a lot of people who, you know, if you have a certain amount of time today, they probably don't want to waste. If they want to train, they probably don't want to also want to waste it, you know, weighing grams of rice on a scale. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not cutting weight. We don't have to make weight. So who cares about yeah. that stuff? Hush, Corey. Some of us care. Some of us are trying. <laughs> I do think that like, uh, just like anything that you're learning, like in, for instance, for learning how to draw your pistol for USPSA. Um, you know, Ben Stoger is a big component of like, you know, doing the, breaking it down to the individual little sections, right? So you baby step it, yep. you know, you your hand on the gun a hundred times, right? And then you pull yep. it out of the holster to here a hundred times, and then you, you know, do your, your press. So it has to become very elementary for you then to be able to just do it. Right. I think nutrition's the same way. I think the counting macros, um, or, you know, weighing food. I think when people are starting to learn, they have to do that because you don't realize how much you eat until you write it down. And then you're like, dude, that's bad. (laughs) And then, you know, you kind of like, I'm at the point now where there are some things that I'll measure, but most things I know about how much, you know, of my light Olive Garden salad dressing. I know about how much, of <laughs> you know, you kind of yeah. judge it. But I think for people starting, you kind of have to baby step it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely good for them to beneficial. Kind of, I think it's good for them to realize that it's just not a sustainable, like longer. I, I think over two weeks, because people are like, I don't have time yeah. to weigh my food. Like, I don't want to know. But yeah, yeah it's, it's mainly used like a scare, not a scare factor, but kind of like an eye-opening, like, Yes. Yo, you're getting 150 grams of fat a day. <laughs> like, let's Dreams. talk. About, like, what, what are you doing, man? Like, stop eating a stick of butter at night. You know, like stuff like that. But most coaches can kind of look at it and say, "Hey, Jennifer, tell me what you're eating," and they can kind of get a really basic idea of like, "Oh, well, you know." And big thing for a lot of men is like, you're not getting enough proteins. Let's talk about it. So, yeah, I think it's a good learning tool. So. Do y'all think that it's more important to have a goal or to do something that you enjoy? Jacob? <laughs> more important to have a goal or do something you enjoy? I'll add something for you, just for you, though. Someone that you really want to beat. That's a third option. Third option. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. I uh ah, that's a good question. I don't I enjoy training. I will be honest, I have always enjoyed training for something. I have never really enjoyed competing in it. I don't necessarily enjoy the game day. 
of the event because all the stress is on that personal perspective, but I love the lead in for things. So for me, I'm not going to enjoy the competition itself because um, it is stressful and there are usually expectations placed upon it, but I am yeah. always and have always enjoyed the training for things leading into it. So I'm going to probably be more goal oriented than anything else. Um, it does help. Um, I'm not going to name names. Um, this doesn't actually apply to the sport at all. This guy would never do tactical games. But there was, when I first started shooting uh, about two years ago, I had a gentleman um, who we're not going to name. We're going to call him George. George decided to tell me that I should just stick to my previous sport because that's what I was going to be good at and not do shooting because I was never going to be good at it. So I yeah. spent a whole year training and decided to pick a shooting sport, an event that he was going to go to and squat it up with him and beat him. And yes. <laughs> I don't have to say anything. You just got to stroll off and be like, but in this sport, it's hard. Um, that's a great story whatever. But like in our sport, like we talked about the community, there's not a guy in our sport who I'm like, that guy's a trash panda. Now, if we do have a trash panda that shows up, then great. But we don't have that guy to my knowledge. Maybe I am that guy. I don't know. You know, maybe I'm the, the guy that does that for people. <laughs> and that's okay too. But um, I don't have a person in the sport that's like, hey, I want to go out and beat this guy so badly. That's all the reason I'm training. That's not really fun from a revenge perspective. So, Janae, any uh, dark Sith energy coming from you? <laughs> oh, um, okay, so the question is, is it more important to have a goal or doing something we enjoy more? Um, I think that having a goal is probably more important if I have to choose one. Um, reason being, it pushes, pushes you to achieve more um, and gives you purpose in pushing through days that are really difficult and hard, which are common when you're chasing a difficult goal. However, I would say that if you don't have both, then why would you do it? Meaning you should have a goal and you should enjoy it or else you're probably not gonna keep doing it right. Yeah. No, maybe? <laughs> like I have a goal within tactical games, right? But if I didn't enjoy doing it, then there's absolutely zero chance I would put in the training that I put in to do it. I would. I would stop doing it because I, I wouldn't enjoy it. Just like Jacob said, the training is the fun part and what we enjoy most. And I would agree with that. I, I do love competitions as well, but the training is so fun. So if I didn't love it, I wouldn't work so hard at it. So do each of y'all have goals for 2024? When? 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 <laughs> Good goals. Idols. <laughs> <laughs> pretty simple to find I think people's different personalities um kind of drive whether or not they like the goal or the doing something you like you know like yeah I have a lot of people that I know that they just like going and you know doing something like I have a friend that loves to run she just loves to run I don't love to run but I really wanted to complete a half marathon so I trained because I had that goal and did a few of them. Um, but I had to have something to be working towards. I'm kind of like, 
um, kind of like you, you like the training leading up to, right. And yeah. to me, just having a goal in mind, like right now, I don't have a particular goal other than losing weight, but I, like, I don't have like an event that's coming up and like, I almost feel like I'm floundering because I need something to focus me and be yeah. like, you know, Oh, you need to do this. Shush. Training for mammoth. Training for mammoth. The, there I'm are like, actually, you know, I'm not doing mammoth. No, look, ma ma how about mammoth too? Mammoth 2. Mammoth 2, there's space open. I know a guy I could get you in. I don't think my, <laughs> I don't think my back can take that much running. No. My husband will kill me if I ruck again. That year of training, I think he was ready to kill me. I think the ruck might kill you, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> We've got, um, I've got a gym on my property. Uh, a private gym. <clears throat> My property's not commercial. Uh, don't tell the county that. And we know. And, uh, we know. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got a lot going on for said Jen. It's I have a lot of people in the barn, and I love that they all ha should have a very simplistic goal. It doesn't need to be I need to go to the CrossFit Games. It doesn't need to be I want to win the TAC Games. It could be as simple as I just want to go run a 5K. Like I want to do a sub 30 minute 5K or I want to go, go do this or do that. I love when people come to the barn and have a goal because if you're just training for nothing, that's better than training, not at all. Like that's great, but having a goal oriented makes it easier to show up to do that thing. Like if I'm waking up and I'm saying, going to the gym this morning and I'm thinking for what? Like, why am I going to get out of bed? But if I have a reason because- Boy, oh boy, I got to get better at USPSA because Corey made fun of my USPSA skills. And that's going to make me roll that. out of bed a lot easier to go train. So, hey, I'm glad you get out of bed to think about me, man. It's awesome. <laughs> it's a good feeling. It's better than thinking about you in bed. So, um, we'll say that. <laughs> well, Corey, I mean, I believe that I've already shot one mammoth and you haven't. So, I think mammoth should be your goal. I have two conflicts. Otherwise, I would have already signed up. Excuses. Excuses. One of them involves a shotgun. You should be happy. Okay. Just make me happy. <laughs> yeah. I'm impressed that you're going to go shoot a shotgun. <laughs> All right. So get gear quickies. We hit in the gear, the thing that people really care about. What do you think? Set pistol, we rifle, go. carrier clothing and step stool what step stool do you use <laughs> <laughs> that was a jared jared edition i asked me to do it he does have a gun to my head right now <laughs> but pistol rifle carrier and clothing let's hit the big four yeah you want me to go through all of them and then or just kick off just pistol first what do you want to do i mean yeah, do do all of them and red dot what are you do running for red dot Oh yeah. So learning that. Um, so pistol wise, just got the phone. So I've, uh, shoot, um, with Atlas. And so they're gonna let me try out a couple different ones and figure out which one I think will be better for tack games. I shot a Titan cool. years past because a five inch bull barrel helps out because they're so accuracy based now with the right. red dot, what does the length of barrel matter? <laughs> Something I learned recently. And so, um, we're going to kind of figure recently. out what the, was recently like as in like a month <laughs> and so we're going to figure out what i think is the best fit for the tackle games when it comes to a pistol that i'll put a red dot on it so far mm -hmm. i've only shot uh sro um okay. so i'm probably gonna stick with that um i do prefer to shoot occluded um and so okay. 
I'll probably, I'm not sure what brand pistol will shoot on top of it though. Rifle, um, shoot a 16 inch cobalt, um, optic on top, which was probably going to change, but in years past, uh, one to 10 LVPO gen three from vortex. And so with the addition of an offset red dot and being a one by on the side, I don't need that one by 10 on the top. So I don't know when I'm going to shoot for glass on the top yet. We might push it out and try a four by 16. We might just get crazy and shoot a six by 36. Just see what happens, you know, just roll with it. But I don't know what we're going to do yet. So we got to kind of play around with that. Um, Carrier, Jake, are you going to shoot everything on 36 then? Yeah, so I shoot everything on a, on the highest magnification because I know it irritates <laughs> Jared when I do it because he told me never to do that. And so, um, yeah, I'll shoot highest away as much as your gun. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna. I want to see the perforation and the change in the paper how it looks when I shoot it. Is really the what bullet I'm hole for. is going to be this big in Perfect. your scope. Super. He's got it. a great aiming point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, carrier. I run the AC1 from TUX Arms. It's a sword cut. It's super, allows you to do a lot of things. Obviously, I'm not getting shot at, so I don't really care about um, protection yep. around my body. Um, I'm just there. It's a sport. So I want sport. I want something that I can move around in. It's a sport. So um, I'm going to shoot that. Clothing, uh, man, T-shirt and shorts from, uh, I work with 10,000, so I'm going to wear the shorts from there that have belt loops in it. Footwear, depends on the event uh okay. it'll always be flats of some kind unless it's a running event and then if we run a, a two-gun stage i'm going to change out to something with a little more grips in the bottom like a rain shoe um okay. i think the rain shoe i use is from saliwa saliwa i don't know um some rain oh. shoe company and then step stool um i don't have a brand that i'm particularly interested in but i'll hook you up with granger there's always there's always ladders around my property for various reasons. So there's my answer. <laughs> oh, God. What about you, Janae? <laughs> Skip the step stool, please. I don't need a step stool. <laughs> um, pistol, I thought a Staccato P this year. Um, I don't know how things change with the addition of Red Dot. I've never, I've shot a Red Dot like, a few times on Jake's box. So gonna okay. I don't know what that's gonna look like, but something staccato because I enjoyed that this year. Um rifle, I shot a custom build this year. So probably gonna roll with that again next year. My plate oh. carrier is the same as Jacob's the T Rex arm uh AP1. And I forgot the optic on the rifle I shot this year was the same as Jacob's too. It was the one by 10, but I don't know. So all of her success can be equated back to just essentially using what I'm using. So, I mean, oh, really, I'll oh take my God. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you got that all from Jared is what you said earlier. <laughs> in the episode. Yeah, I got it from Jared. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, but I, I might try out one of the night force ones. So we'll see. I'm not sure what that will look like for next year. Um, and then clothing and footwear, Under Armour for all of that. I've loved my Under Armour stuff to compete in this year. So I'll keep wrapping that. Nice. Very cool. Well, Greg, I think it's I think it's time for that live. I think it's time for number three. Number three. 
Yeah, I'll I'll pull it up. It's number three from Jared. I know what you're talking about now. All right, here we go. So another no, it's a it's a good one. It's another quickie. It's another curated one. How do you turn being a student into a skill? Hmm. I'm a big reader. Really? So big reader, huge reader, big reader guy. Read. Precision, long range shooting. I have a lot of books, and so. <clears throat> If I can't spend time with people that are subject matter experts, I can at least read things from people that are subject matter experts. For instance, I mean, I think I own every book from Ben Stoger. Now, that sport doesn't yeah. necessarily always apply to us, but it absolutely does for certain points, right, of, of perspective, you know, for any two-gun action shooting stage for sure. If, Corey, if you wrote a book, I would probably buy it and I would probably read it. But um, You don't want to read what I write. I have a couple books. I have a you do? I have a book oh, author, sir. <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, now I feel like a tra I feel like a freaking jerk right now. Well, what did you write? Read? I might actually own it. No, no, no. You don't want to read about the metabolome and inflammation and obesity. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Nick, Nick Loffenberg's book. <laughs> what is it? You need to get Nick Loffenberg's book. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. Just send it to me, text to me later, email it to me because that, I'm not going to spell that name out. But in order <laughs> to be good at something, I'm not going to figure that out. Like in order to be good at something, you have to learn it. Like you start from ground zero and you've got to learn things and you've got to be uh, set your pride aside and be humble enough to be like, I am total crap at this. So I'm going to go find somebody to help that out. So day one, when I get back from a competition, whether it be a regional or national, I'm going to immediately within a few days of writing down my after action report, I'm going to sit down and say, how do I get better at long range shooting? Right. That was the, uh, my worst finish probably ever. And so how am I going to do that? Is it going to be, I'm going to read, is it going to be, I'm going to find people around me to improve myself. And that's the only way you're going to get better at a sport is the people who are going to progress the sport are the people that are okay, putting aside their pride and saying, I suck. Who's going to teach me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. I think um, as far as making it a skill begins with the humility, like Jacob said, to accept the fact that you're not great at something, recognize it, and then develop a plan to change that. Um, I guess there is some sort of skill in finding resources. Um, like Jacob said, books. I mentioned earlier that I watched a bunch of videos on YouTube that helped teach me up front when I didn't have a lot of access to experts <laughs> or money to pay experts to teach me so being resourceful is a big skill in that i guess in being a student yeah. and that's kind of like something you can always do like i said you have a physical limit to the day um to some degree of a mental limit to the day as well and it's kind of like free money at the end of the day that you can spend time reading or watching some videos and you're being a student while you're doing that so instead of watching some mindless show on netflix at night i can put on a youtube video watch ben stoger shoot a pistol and maybe learn one thing <laughs> that will help me you know what i mean and so yeah. a little bit more to me than a mindless netflix show which i'm not hating on those because there's time for that too but <laughs> um, maybe a little less so, of that <laughs> i'll add um some quick levity before we finish this podcast when it goes off the subject um, Man, you're already doing better than i am I, I guys, Jen, call me. You don't want to find my phone number. 
<laughs> Jared asked a question, and I don't learn from YouTube. Um, can't do it. I have to read. Uh, but Janae does. And so does Jared, actually. So we had the first competition I ever competed in, Utah of 2021. We had a yoke. <clears throat> we had to pick up a yoke and walk with it. Yeah. It was very light. It was like, it was like sub female weight at the CrossFit Games. And there's a lot of guys complaining about it, but whatever. And <laughs> Jared, at that point, Jared was not complaining about the weight, but Jared decided, hey, I got to figure out how to pick this yoke in an optimal way. And like, how do I brace accordingly? These are all great things to research before you go do it. Yeah. So he typed in like how to pick up a yoke or whatever on Google. And <laughs> sure as heck, the first video that pops up is a video of me teaching how to pick up a yoke on YouTube. <laughs> he immediately got pissed. <laughs> I'm in the lane next to him the next day. He still tells that story. He's like, I think he typed it in and there's Hetner's freaking mug looking at me, teaching me how to pick up a yoke on YouTube. And so oh. anyway, that's my levity for the day. I would have added strong man just out of spite. So the next one was just some big giant dude. <laughs> uh, so my story for the day. Too funny. Do we have any more lives? I think we are done. All yeah, right. I think we're done on lives. All right. Well, I think we can wind it down to shout outs. Then we will start with Greg tonight. Oh, um, so shout out to PDC custom for super awesome rifle chassis back there. Um, Hunter's HD gold for my blind self to be able to see the targets and uh, GSL suppressors to make my little pew nice and quiet. Awesome. Corey, what you got? Uh, well, I'm going to shout out Jared and Nick. Uh, because the two events that I shot this year, they were some of the most accommodating, awesome people that I've been around in the shooting sport. Um, and I told Nick this, nationals this year was the best at shooting event, like shooting nationals that I've ever been to. So they're doing a great job. Awesome. All right. And how about Janae? Shout out. Um, uh, shout out to my mom. I love you, mom. Thanks for watching. <laughs> uh, that's all I've got. All right. And Jacob. Oh, shout out to my wife who's currently texting me saying, I'm at the pool. Where are you at? Why is this podcast taking so long for her having the <laughs> Go, go, go down to your beautiful wife. You're in Hawaii. She's fine. The pool can be there when I get there. So. <laughs> I'm jealous. I'm totally jealous. I want to be at the pool too. It's cold here. Anyway. All right. Well, and I want to shout out the two of y'all for being such good competitors and bringing home titles. That is awesome. Um, I am very in awe of y'all's athletic ability. I don't think shooting is as much of an athletic sport as everyone wants to make it out to be. Um, but I think Tactical Games does have more, a lot more athleticism than, um, say, PRS or any of the others. But anyway, just uh, kudos to y'all for, you know, being able to maintain that athleticism and come out on top because I know it's a um, pretty good field there with a lot of competitors. And then I just wanted to make sure that everyone is aware that we will be at the AG Cup doing coverage live brought to you by Vortex Optics. 
Um, so that is on November 30th, December 1st, and December 2nd. We will do it just like we did in Italy, where we will have live coverage with the picture in picture where you can see the targets, you know, being hit. Um, we'll cover as much of that as we can. So see who comes home with the AG Cup and all of the money. Um, I believe it's going to be, I don't know if the, Greg, have you heard of the purse is the same as last year? I have not heard that. I haven't either. So I don't want to misspeak because I haven't talked to Tom and see if it's the same. But I know last year um, the winner went home with $30,000. So lots at stake for that. Um, lots of nerves that these shooters that normally do not have nerves, you know, they they come out during this when money's on the line and everything else. So tune in to the Shooter's Mindset either on our Facebook page or our YouTube um, channel. And we'll have live coverage of that match um, pretty much the entire time that they're shooting. So check that out. And with that, it'll be a wrap for episode 423. And we will see everybody next time.